Listen, there has never been a better time to invest in self-storage, and there's no better team than ours to show you how to do it, because we wrote the book on how to invest in self-storage. Literally, we created the best-selling home study system titled How to Find, Evaluate, Purchase, and Manage Self-Storage Facilities. We have helped thousands of people launch and scale their self-storage business, and have become the nation's go-to resource for all things self-storage. That's because we not only talk the talk, we walk the walk, day in and day out since 2005 through now. Two recessions and amassing a 2.5 million square feet of self-storage, totaling over 15,000 doors nationwide. There is nobody else that has more experience in self-storage that is teaching people how to invest in self-storage. So if you're ready to launch and scale your self-storage business, then go to selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the events tab to grab your ticket to the upcoming Self-Storage Academy. So that again is selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the events tab. Seating is limited. And on behalf of our team, we look forward to seeing you then. Take care. This is the Self-Storage Podcast, where we share the knowledge and skills from the industry's leading investors, developers, and operators to help you launch and grow your self-storage business. Your host, Scott Myers, over the past 16 years, has acquired, developed, converted, and syndicated over 2 million square feet of self-storage nationwide with the help of his incredible team at selfstorageinvesting.com, who has helped thousands of people achieve greatness in self-storage. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Self-Storage Podcast. I am your host, Scott Myers, and this week's guests are Melanie Sigma and Byron McBroom. Melanie Sigma is a financial professional who grew up listening to her CPA father, Byron McBroom, talk tax and financial strategies with his business owner friends on camping trips, and in a nutshell, they love to help their clients pay as little taxes as legally possible and utilize that extra money to fund their dreams. Whether discussing tax and business strategies or the fundamentals of personal finance, they both have a passion for teaching others and to help make often boring and confusing topics fun and easy to understand and on this episode we talk about seven tax strategies that everyone needs to be mindful of and how to recession proof your business as we head into the next economic cycle so without further ado please enjoy my conversation with melanie sigma and byron mcbroom melanie and byron welcome to the show thank you good to be here well, I am so glad to have you here to share you with Storage Nation. There is a lot of discussion around your topics, and there's a whole lot of folks that are putting things in place, wondering exactly what to do as the market and the economy continues to shift. So this is a very, very timely. I appreciate your time. So with that, Melanie, we talked before we get on here that you two have a seven-step process, if you will, or seven areas that people really need to be focusing on, well, all the time, but especially right now. So I'm going to sit back and have you just kind of begin to share that and maybe Maybe interject along the way, but really let you guys discuss what it is that you're doing for so many of your clients in today's economy right now. Of course, yeah. So basically, a lot of business owners, there's what we found as we've worked with them over the years is that there's seven things that a lot of people can benefit from, but they're not always taken advantage of. So going over those is uh, step number one: just make sure you're picking the right entity. A lot of people have their business in the wrong entity, and that can make a difference of thousands of dollars. And year after year, if you're not picking the right entity, if you're overpaying in taxes for that reason, like for example, an LLC versus an S-Corp, if you're netting over 70000 then being an S-Corp usually makes sense over an LLC. And the reason for that is the self-employment tax of 15.3%, you're going to be paying on that on all your net profit. 
Whereas an S corp that goes away, but it's replaced with payroll taxes on a low but reasonable wage. So that's step number one. Step number two is the Augusta strategy. Hey, so hey Melanie. Kind of, yeah, of course. Let me pop in a little bit. Yeah. And one of the things, if you're a passive owner in one of these syndications, which I think a lot of people that might be listening are, the income you have is not going to be subject to the self-employment tax because it's not short-term rentals. It's usually longer-term rentals. And so a lot of times, if you just have an investment of a rental property, you might want to have an LLC might be a better operation for this particular industry. Well, cool. thanks for that. Right. Yeah. Back to you, Mel. <laughs> so picking the right entity. So that's where we kind of have that conversation where we make sure that we look at your specific situation and make sure the right entity is chosen for that. Step number two is the Augusta strategy. And this doesn't work for everybody, but if you have an outside office and you have a LLC with at least two partners or a corporation, you can rent your house to your business for 14 days tax-free. This comes from the Augusta Golf Tournament where all the locals would leave town for a couple weeks and then they'd get to rent their house. And so the IRS says that anybody can rent their house for 14 days tax-free. So a lot of our clients, we just have them hold their corporate board meetings in their home and that creates some good tax-free income. Step number three is if you have an entity, you can put your kids on the payroll. This is for pretty much any business owner. What I do with my kids is I have them be my little models for my business and I post them on my social media accounts. I have a five and a seven-year-old. And so I think they're super cute. So I have them be my little models for my business and I can pay them up to 12950 tax-free. So if you have kids under 18, you can pay them up to 12950 tax-free. You can pay them more than that. That's kind of the tax-free level. They'll pay a little bit of tax and sometimes that makes sense. So mm -hmm. if you have kids, that's a really good thing to be aware of. The key for that is reasonable work for reasonable pay. If you're not having them be models, if your business isn't the type where they can do modeling, then you have to be real careful what they're doing. Now, a 17 or 16-year-old can do quite a bit of physical labor. A four or five-year-old, about the only thing they can do for you is modeling. Well, and of course, a reasonable work for reasonable pay. I don't know who determines that, us or our kids, because we've been uh, deploying <laughs> that strategy as well. And I don't know that they would necessarily agree what they're required to do for that additional uh, 12000 plus per year. But we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's a certain way to do it that you can save even more money. A lot of people employ this strategy, but they pay the wages out of their corporation or their operating company. If a parent pays the child or a single member LLC, there's no payroll taxes on it. So if you have a corporation to pay the children, you have to pay payroll taxes. They still get the 12950 tax free, but there's 1800 plus in payroll taxes on top of that. So a lot of times what we do is we'll have the company, if it's a corporation, hire the parents as a labor contractor, and then the parents pay the children. And this way you get out of that $1,800 in self-employment taxes per child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to share what you do with step number four is using lower tax brackets around you? And so I thought it'd be cool to have my dad share about what he does with my grandma. Okay. So my parents been around for years, 89 right now. And so they're just on social security and they have a small pension. So they're obviously extremely low tax bracket. So what I did with my folks is I formed a corporation. I have my mom own it. So it's like she owns PG&E stock. I put $75,000 of income into that company. It provides a service to the CPA firm. And then that money gets distributed out or gets taxed to my mom at her low tax bracket. Now I'm in California, so we have the sunshine tax. 
So my tax bracket, my ultimate tax bracket tends to be about 49% for my last dollar. Every extra deduction is 49%. But my mom is only has social security tax and a very small pension. So on that $75,000, she only pays about $8,000 in tax, where I get about a $37,000 tax savings. And then I give my mom money anyway. So I give her $1,500 a month that I would give her anyway. And then the balance, she just gives back to me for being her son. But the beautiful thing about this is I get all the credit, but it's really the IRS that's paying for her subsidy. And believe me, $1,500 a month for someone on Social Security changes their life. So it's a very big, significant item. And the other thing you need to do, though, is not just your parents, but take a look at everyone around you. And Mel, I'll let you go into how we do it for college kids or the baby mama plan, or I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, we, uh, we like to have fun with a little bit of weirdness is one of our core values. <laughs> you might throw out some random terms. So a lot of kids in college or our clients that have kids in college, we do that same thing, but with kids in college. And so there's a little bit, a little minor differences, but if you have your kid in college, open up a corporation and you hire their company for services, it can have the same benefits as my dad was my grandma. And a lot of the times that's a good way to pay for their school or get in-state tuition if they're paying out-of-state tuition, just basically putting money into their lower tax bracket. The stipulation to think about with that one, that there are some rules that you have to have a W-2 of half of your living expenses if you're in college. So just make sure you're working with somebody that knows about that rule. And then if you have, as he said, the baby mama plan, if you have a baby or a long-term girlfriend that you trust that you aren't necessarily locked in and you're filing together, you can do the same plan with them as well. So just utilizing those lower tax brackets around you. Step number five is going to be using our kick the can tax plan. So this one is a deferral strategy. So first going over permanent savings versus deferred savings. Permanent savings is money that you're going to be taking out of your taxable income, and you're going to never have to pay tax on that dollar again. Deferral savings is where we purposefully don't show that income now and we're going to wait to pay that tax down the road. But in the meantime, it gives you just a lot more cash flow to work with. It gives you more investable cash and just more money to work with while you wait to pay that tax down the line. So think of it as a big, big IRA, a traditional IRA. When you put money into an IRA, you put your $6,000 and then you get a $6,000 deduction. And then later down the road, you pay the tax on that $6,000. But you have the use of the money and it can grow tax-free the whole time. Well, with this plan, what you do is most people's main company is a December 31st sub S corporation. So what we do is we form a whole new corporation, but this corporation is going to have a November 30th year in. And a person might put their payroll, they might put their advertising, some sort of a service in there, and you invoice your main company, but your main company is a real slow payer and it doesn't get around to paying the invoice till December of each year. Now, I wish I could show you this on a chart, but if you pay that money in December, the main company still gets a tax deduction. But since it's after the November 30th year end of the payroll company, the payroll company doesn't have to pick that money up into income until the following year. Now, there's a really cool thing in that if you're a cash basis taxpayer, which I'm sure almost all of the uh, industry is, you can actually prepay a whole year of expense in advance. So if you had someone with a half million dollars of payroll, and let's say they spent $200,000 in marketing, that would be $700,000. In the month of December, you could mark that up to industry averages, 
that would be 700, let's add 40% to get it to 980. They could make almost a $2 million payment in the month of December and not pay the tax on that money. And what we like to do is show you how to cycle the funds around. So it really doesn't take hardly any cash to get a $2 million deduction in that instant. We have one client that got a $15 million deferral using this strategy, and he did it back in 2010, and he funded real estate, his real estate portfolio. That was his kind of bag of tricks. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine what that did for his portfolio at the time. It's crazy what it looks like now. This might be if someone has another outside business and you're looking to get some money to invest in a self-storage business, we could set up this plan, do it with your main company. And then that would give you a tremendous amount of investment within the self-storage industry. Combine that with the uh, cost-seg study on the self-storage, and you'll probably offset a whole bunch of income that you've deferred to using the kick the can plan. Mm -hmm. Well, Byron and Melanie, I think you just earned your keeper for this call. So uh, absolutely, (laughs) we'll be teasing that out uh, a little bit later. For sure. That's our one that uh, gets a lot of attention there. That one is kick the can plan. Now, step number six is our hangover pills, we like to call them, because you're having a lot of fun. You have a lot of income, but at one point you have to pay if you're selling a business or selling any highly appreciated assets. We have a cure for the hangover of capital gains tax. So dad, I'll let you go into these. Okay. So we call them our hangover pills and we have four strategies on that. The first one, and these are a little complicated. So if if I'm not explaining it right, you might have to send Scott a message and we can shoot you something. The first one, what you do is you form an LLC. And you take the asset that you're about to sell. Let's say you've had a piece of property and you're looking at liquidating it or you're liquidating a business. And I'll give you a specific example. I had a client who sold his business for $6 million. He had almost no basis. So it was going to be $6 million of gain. Again, he was in California. So not only do you have the 20% federal tax, the 3.8% net tax, so 24% that way, you also have California sunshine tax which for him was going to be about 13%. So he was going to pay about 37% of that $6 million in tax. And that was about $2.2 million. So what we did instead is we formed an LLC. He contributed to that LLC in his circumstance. It's different for everybody, but he contributed 40% of his business to the LLC right before it was sold. And then right before it was sold, he donated and the LLC was formed as a 1% manager a 99% non-voting member. So what he did, he donated that 99% non-voting interest to a 501c3. And that did two things. One, 501c3s don't pay capital gains tax. So he only paid capital gains tax on a little bit over 60% of the capital gains. So in his circumstance, that lowered his capital gains from 6 million down to 3.6 million. In addition, he got a charitable contribution for the value of that 40% you know, times the 99% times the discounts, but he got about a $3 million charitable contribution. And the beautiful thing is that charitable contribution can then offset the capital gains tax and offset those two. Anyway, we were able to get his tax from $2.2 million on his sale down to only $128,000 with some real good polish in the eight ball here, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> That one's called the Charitable LLC. But that one's been really, really powerful. And the beautiful thing about that one is it's good for both federal and California. Now, the other thing we use, and that one is good, but it has to be set up even before you're putting the property up for sale. So that one, you have to do a little bit of, have a little bit of foresight. You can't come to us on the last minute. 
So can you set up this charitable LLC and then have multiple exits that go into that? Or do you set up a separate entity, a separate charitable LLC for every property that you're going to sell that would have a large gain such as that? You could have multiple exits, but they'd have to happen pretty close to the same time. They'd have to all be set up in one. And then you could, so if you had multiple units you were selling, as long as it was all set up at the same time, you'd be okay. But you can't do one and uh, two years later add to that charitable LLC. And then two years later add some more to it. Okay. Yep. That was okay. my question. So I think I'm clear now. Thank you. Super. Now, the, the hangover pill number two is what we call the deferred sales trust. And with the deferred sales trust, what you do is you're getting ready to sell it. Now, this one can be done while you're in escrow. So it's a little bit more flexible. But what you do is you take the property and you put it into a trust. Actually, what you do, let me restate that. You form a trust. And then what you do is you sell your property on the installment sale to the trust. And what this does, it puts your capital gains on a long-term installment sale, which means you only pay tax on the money as you collect it. And so then what you do is you set it up. And over the time, over many years, the trust pays you a payment on this, pays you interest, pays you the principal payments, and your money is only taxed as you make a principal payment to the trust. So the beautiful thing about this is you can actually, and then at the very end of this, it goes back to whoever the trustee is. And the beautiful thing about both of these, and that's why I call the charitable one a triple scoop ice cream, because one, you don't pay the capital gains tax, two, you get a charitable contribution, and then three, it also comes out of your taxes for estate taxes if your estate happens to be worth, if you're worth more than the $11 million and have estate taxes. So I ran numbers one time and figured out that for every dollar of money that you put into the charitable LLC, you got $1.21 back in reduced tax in cash. Of course, you have to die to go along with the program. So a lot of people aren't really that excited about it, but <laughs> it is a good way to save your family's money too. And the cool thing about that deferred sales trust is a lot of people don't realize as you're going into your retirement age, on the first 80000 you make, if that's capital gains, there's no tax to pay on that 80000 So you could really, if you had someone that this was their principal asset that they were going to retire on, they could do a subverted sales trust. And they could also then only have the trust pay them out enough so they have $80,000 of taxable income every year, and they'd have zero tax to pay on the gain. So $80,000 a year for 30 years could add quite a bit of money that you get tax-free instead of paying that in California 37% on it. Now, I will say that some states don't honor the deferred sales trusts. I think California is one of them. You have to know that you're going to pay some of the state tax. Okay. The other thing, and these other ones usually happen after the sale. People come to us and they've already sold it. We do the, oh, you did comment, you know, oh, you did. And we have two, a couple things for that. One, we like to do either a charitable lead trust or charitable remainder trust. And what you do with that is basically you fund these trusts and you pretty much will take the next 20 years worth of tax deductions for your charitable contributions up front. But the beautiful thing about that is you take it in the year that you need the contributions the most. You'd be retiring after you sell your asset and you won't be able to deduct the charitable contributions because now your house will be paid for. You'll get the free 25000 of itemized deductions anyway. This way you can fund all those charitable contributions in the year that you have the big gain when you really, really, really need them. The other thing we like to have people do is invest in syndications. And we were talking before how the storage industry is perfect for that because they have such a high first year write-off on that. But you can invest in the syndications and then get that first year write-off to offset the capital gain. If you have a big capital gain, you need a lot of that first year write-off 
you don't care so much about the depreciation in years two through 37 or whatever the life is on the property, but you really want that deduction in the year you have for the capital gain. So it's really just a function of figuring out which of the four hangover pills works best to get rid of your heartburn, (laughs) your personal heartburn. Well, obviously, that's the reason why we decided to continue this conversation on camera for Storage Nation to be able to share and learn about what they need to do to set up their house. And I'm hoping that the folks out there that weren't already deploying these strategies in their business, that they took notes. And then at the end of our time together here and in the show notes, that we will have Melanie and Byron's contact information. But along with that, along with those uh, seven strategies, and, and some of those are advanced, or depending on how you look at it, I know it's old hat to you too, but let's talk a little bit about our folks, our audience. Uh, we do have some folks that are doing some pretty big things with commas and zeros behind it. We're in commercial real estate. That combined complexity in the types of deals that we do combined with the complexity in the marketplace that we're seeing right now. What else, guys? What are the other, I don't want to say bag of tricks, but what are some other things that we need to be considering right now as we head into this next economy, this next market that is shifting right now that needs to be on the front of people's minds as we head into this next cycle? I was talking about this with my team. We watched a video and I saw it on TikTok, so you know it's all true. (laughs) Anything on TikTok is true. The guy was talking about, you know, what we can expect. We have an election coming up and pretty much gas shot up right after the election. And then obviously they've tried to whittle it down because people got so angry about it. But he was pretty much predicting that gas was going to go back up right after the election because they won't care so much for the next couple of years. And then we also have basis points just got raised again by 0.75 basis points. And that's going to drive the heck out of the market. Inflation, you know, they say is only 10%. I think and I've heard this. I, don't, I haven't checked it out for sure, but I think they've changed the way they calculate inflation. And if we took today's inflation based on how they did it back in the Jimmy Carter days, we'd be looking at the 18 to 20% inflation. I was having this thoughts to myself there. I'm sitting on a bunch of cash because business has been good. Everybody's got all their PPP money and, and, and employment retention credits. And for some people, business has never been easier, but they've got a lot of money and everybody's sitting, what do I got to do with this? Well, one, the number one rule you have to do is you have to find an industry that will allow you to earn greater than the rate of inflation. If you take a million dollars and then have a 10% inflation for 10 years, that million dollars isn't going to be worth very much in 10 years as far as buying power. But if you take an asset and it earns at the rate of inflation, I ran numbers on this for 10 years and a million dollar investment that earned the same rate as inflation, let's say it was 10%, was worth about $2 million in 10 years. So you can have it be down to worth $300,000 or you can have it be worth 2 million. The only difference there is earning the rate of inflation or better on your asset. So pick an asset that does better, pick an asset that does good in these bad times and then pick an asset that will earn you more money than the rate of inflation. You do that and you're going to think inflation is not such a bad thing. Inflation is really a tax on the poor. It's not really an a tax on people that know how to invest with inflation. Yeah, 100%. That is the drum that we've been beating around here with to Storage Nation for quite a while now. And we are absolutely not tax advisors. We are not investment advisors. But the reality is what you just mentioned, Byron, and that is the real rate of inflation is not uh, 10%, nor was it 6% a while back. And to your point, it is being calculated a little bit differently than Jimmy Carter days. And there is some debate around that. But most of the economists that we follow and most of the folks out there that are worth following peg the rates right, right where you just mentioned it. They're in the high teens right now. And so if you take a step 
step back and sometimes it is it takes a little bit for somebody to see or hear that if you take a step back and you look at what your investment dollars are making right now on average and if you're not beating that if you're not above 16 18 20 percent as you mentioned then you're going backwards or you're or you're just keeping par which in some instances in some economic cycles some people would be happy with that instead of losing either sitting in cash where you're losing money because of the inflation rate or staying in the stock market in the losing sector where most sectors in most areas of the stock market are going down right now so if anything our public service message is just awareness right now what your money is doing inflation you can't physically see it but you can certainly see it at the gas pump you can see it at the mm-hmm. grocery store and other places in consumer goods and just recognize that guess what that is what is happening to your investment your investable dollars as well so it is best to be able to put it into a vehicle that is earning more than that and then obviously doing the things that the seven plus ways and strategies that, that you two just mentioned uh, to be able to keep as much of those dollars as many of those investable dollars as possible yeah for sure well gang what else do you have for storage nation as we part today i appreciate your time so much and your expertise as we head off into again this next economy and uh, folks that are maybe sitting back the active investors that are maybe sitting back to see what is going to happen with interest rates our passive investors that are holding on and waiting in cash with their dollars right now again knowing that you're not advisors in that realm as well but what are, what are you seeing in the marketplace right now or some other considerations for folks that are ready to take advantage of the opportunities that exist in the the marketplace right now one of the things that you want to be ready to do it's always good to when times turn hard to turn it to cash so you're ready to seize on an opportunity but if you really look at when that where most of the money's made most of the money is made when in the hard times it's not made in the great times it's made when you see opportunity where other people see failure and risk and so be when you just have to be ready to receive and just be ready take a little bit of it's really risk but it's managed risk and just make sure take a look at industry averages i mean bizminers is a good resource for that you can research back and see how things did during 2008 2009 and see what industries thrive during that time. So that's what I would do is kind of do the contrary thinking. Just look for invest. We were talking about this in my CPA firm. How do as a CPA firm, how do we grow and thrive? And we decided, well, we're going to change our marketing to market to areas that are going to thrive during the recession. And that way we'll have vibrant customers, which means our firm will be vibrant. So that's what I would do. Just take a look at investing in things that do contrary to the economic cycle. Melanie, what would you add to that? I mean, I would mirror everything my dad said, but I would just say, keep. that's where the tax planning, I see how powerful it is for our clients. If you don't have to just, you're working so hard, if you don't have to give away all your profit or a big majority of your profit, it's so mm-hmm. powerful to be able to just have that extra cash to work with. And I've done calculations for what it does for people's future. And it's pretty incredible, even if they just invested half of their tax savings. So I'll throw out, if anybody wants to jump on my calendar, they're more than welcome. Mm-hmm. Grab a spot and I'm, I'm happy to see if we can save them any money or give them any advice that would help them. That's kind of where I'd leave off. See what you're leaving on the table. Perfect. Melanie, what is the best way that folks can get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm pretty active on Instagram. Melanie Sigma is my handle. If not, they can. Can you put it in their show notes, my calendar? It will be in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So they can just grab a spot on that calendar. Otherwise, if they want to look up measured results, CPAs, we have a website that they can jump on to as well. All right. Perfect. 
Well, Byron, Melanie, so good to spend time with you. Thank you so much uh, for your time. I know time is uh, busy right now, even though we caught you past the last tax rush. But now as we head into the fourth quarter, once again, there's a no, no rest for any of us at this point. So uh, thank you once again for your time. Look forward to having you back. And uh, folks, if you don't have a tax strategy in place, hope is not a strategy and hope that things are going to work out. Make sure that you reach out to Melanie and uh, Byron. Thanks once again, gang. And for Storage Nation, we'll catch you all on the flip side. Hey, gang, wait three things before you leave. First, don't forget to subscribe to the Self Storage Podcast and turn on your notifications so you never miss another episode. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Second, be sure to share your favorite episodes and more via Instagram and don't forget to tag us. And lastly, head to the links in the show description and hit the following subscribe button on Twitter and Facebook to get a front row seat as we grow and scale our business and bring you along with us. Take care.